0: Do you remember the day you found the passion that fuels your life? Or maybe the first date you had with your partner? Or how about the day your child graduated college? There was love, joy, and a hopefulness of change. Over the years, many alumni have expressed that the Our Community Listens course is life-changing in a similar way. And we know it has been infectious for many, something we know you can't just keep to yourself. So take a chance to share that experience with those in your circle by telling them about upcoming classes. Even if they live outside of a regional learning hub, we now offer a virtual OCL course. When we all learn to listen empathetically, we can be part of a caring community. Visit our website at chapmancommunities.org or follow the link in the description of this podcast.
1: To the Listen First podcast, brought to you by the Chapman Foundation for Caring Communities. Our vision and mission is to strengthen relationships and build stronger communities through listening, leadership, care, and service to create a truly human connection. Learn and partner with us as we imagine a society in which people care about each other and listen first.
0: Hello and welcome to the Listen First podcast. My name is Adam Salgett and it is my pleasure today to be with Bev Thiel, the Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity, Kent County. Bev, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I'm excited to give you the opportunity to share your story about your whole organization going through the Our Community Listens foundational course. But before we step into that quite yet, I want to give you the opportunity to to talk a little bit about the work that you're doing with Habitat for Humanity here in Kent County, um, my experience with Habitat for Humanity I think is similar to many other people's where you build homes and Jimmy Carter's involved. <laughs> so I mean, for sure, the depth of my knowledge is not very deep. It's it's just in that kind of vein. Give me a little bit more. Tell me a little more specifics.
1: Sure. So around 40 years ago in Kent County, there was a real big decision around how do we provide affordable housing? And so at that time, really, we really founded this organization and we began working with the with an income level. So we look at folks who are in like the 30 to 80% AMI. So we're looking at folks who really are low income. And yes, we do build homes for them. We also provide a low interest mortgage or a 0% mortgage. We rehab and recycle homes. So we really take an opportunity. Homeownership is our deal. That's what we're trying to do. There's a lot of support services that go with that. So we have a full staff team then that is working from the point of you have applied for a home and and training you and giving you educational opportunities around understanding your mortgage, understanding your credit. If you're going to be in a condo, what's that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and really setting you up to be successful in your home. And so that process is a, is a long process. Then we got a group of folks that are building the homes. Um, and so that's where Jimmy Carter comes in, right? That's <laughs> right. where we all associate right. Habitat for Humanity with Jimmy Carter. Yep. And Jimmy Carter is our best advocate. Um, he did not start Habitat, but he has been a huge advocate. And we would be remiss to say that that did not move of the organization needle right to have someone like that say hey this organization is doing great work Mm -hmm. and and the community sees it in the way that you're seeing it Adam and that is I get to be on site I get to swing a hammer I get to have an opportunity to work alongside a homeowner or home buyer right so part of our process of education is also learning around the construction of your home Mm You're in the process of building your home, so understanding what that looks like, you know, from the bare beam, so to say, yeah. all the way to the finished product. So you have an idea of what it takes to build a home, but you're also watching the community support you in doing that. So we're a community member, we're a community partner, and so we're walking along home buyers usually for around 18 months. So this is not a typical Construction or residential construction organization. Mm -hmm. It's really a partnering organization. So I think that's how we really look at the work we do. We're a large producer of homes. We're uh, one of the larger affiliates in Michigan. So we try to really look at how we do our work constantly in an impactful manner. So how can we continue to build as many homes as possible, provide as many housing opportunities as possible, but do that in a way that makes sense for the home buyer? So, again, it always goes back to serving the home buyer. And I think that's the connection where our community listens that's been impactful for us.
0: Well, let's talk more about that. Thank you, first of all, though, for giving me that kind of overview in a little more detail because it is great to hear just the work that you're doing. So when it comes to the connection to our community listens, let's kind of start from the beginning for you. How did you hear about it? how did you hear about the foundational course and uh, what intrigued you when you first heard about it?
1: So I found out from one of my um, former colleagues at at where I used to work and um, she felt like it was important for me to listen, to go and hear a little bit about our community listens. I've, I've been in a leadership role for the last 30, 40 years, so it's been important for me to always understand where I come from. In OCL lingo, I'm a high D, mm-hmm. so it, it requires a lot more for me. But I didn't really understand until I sat in this informational seminar how impactful it would be for those that I walk alongside. Mm-hmm. So I could see that it was going to help me be a better listener, communicator, but what was more impactful was how was that message being received? How was I being received? For many, many years I had it didn't matter what assessment I took, I was always following in whatever the lingo is around a D, right? I was always falling in that. And to be honest, as a female leader, sometimes that comes across pretty negatively. Okay. I never had the opportunity to learn how that behavioral tendency was being heard and how I might take that message and soften it to the listener, but on the same end, really reflectively listening to what folks were saying to me. So that opportunity, I had that opportunity in 2017. Seems like eons ago, right? (laughs) And so with the team that I worked with at that time, we made the conscious effort that all of the leadership team in that organization in my branch would go through it. And one of the most impactful things that happened in that space was we then start talking about confrontation because typically in confrontation is where the worst of you comes out, right? Right. right. And you,
0: it's, it's an uncomfortable situation. So oftentimes it's high stress. Emotion is right. high. Logic is low.
1: Logic is low. And mm-hmm. you are after what it is that you needed mm-hmm. from that space. And it was there. Once we realized what happens to us when we're in that space it helped us begin to understand how we might better run even a simple staff meeting mm-hmm. how folks may need time to process and putting them in the box and making them make a decision today is not the best use of a the skill set they bring to the team um, so two things have to happen right you have to be able to identify that and they have to be able to speak that truth and when folks can really say this isn't A good or a bad thing that I'm this way, it helped us make decisions much quicker. So, very quickly, I realized the impact in an organization. So, when I had the opportunity to come to Habitat and now be in really the leadership
0: role, right? And when would that have been? That would have been for me three years ago. So
1: I'm I'm pre pandemic. Okay. So right before. The pandemic, we got half of our organization through OCL. Gotcha. And so we held, it was strictly our team here. They came, did it on site for us, and ran half of our our team through it. Pandemic kind of got in the way, and then recently we finished the rest of our team. So right now today, 95% of our folks are through the Our Community Listens program.
0: And 95% of a rough number? Around 50 folks. Around 50 folks. And then also... When we're talking about those that are employed with Habitat, is that a mix of full-time employees and part-time employees? Or? Right.
1: It's our entire workforce. So we may no determination. Entire workforce. Yep. So in that workforce, it's fascinating. We have folks who are executive level, you know, accounting, finance. We have retail associates. So they're working in our re- restore location. We have construction folks. So we have a really huge variety of people, but the one common denominator is they're all forward-facing and talking to people in the community all of the time. Right. So understanding best how we communicate seemed to be the way to go for our organization.
0: So I know you already touched on this a little bit, but I want to ask, why did you choose to bring this to the organization and partner continue partnership with Chapman Foundation to bring in OCO?
1: I think for me, it was the personal connection. So from the time that I first went through until I was able to bring this staff team through, I had so many encounters with uh, people would people would say things like, I don't know what to expect or you're not what I expected or and to me, that was a feather in my cap that. I I was a leader who was listening. I was a leader who was trying to be reflective. I was taking time to make a decision. I was trying to hear all sides of things and at the same time being decisive. So I think in in the lens of now I'm at a new organization where the number one complaints I heard. The number one area for improvement was communication. I don't feel information coming down Mm -hmm. um, and I don't feel information coming up were stories I was hearing all of the time. So to me, the logical then experience is first, let's understand how we communicate. And let's also understand what it takes to actively listen and reflect back because I think the conversations are happening. I just, maybe they're not being heard.
0: I've spoken with a couple of your employees today already, had the opportunity to to chat with them, and they both definitely expressed a a change in culture, just a a positive attitude, the ability to communicate and think about how they're communicating, both of them very self-reflective and thinking about how they're going to take these skills and and improve um, the people that they work with directly but I want to hear from you. Tell me what changes have you seen in the organization as a result of sending the, your team through our communications course?
1: I think initially, um, so we just finished a class last week, right? And mm-hmm. so initially what happens in an organization is you're self-identifying. I'm a mm-hmm. DM and I am an S, I'm and then, you know, that's what's the good bad and with those, right? So that's the first thing that happened in our organization. But the second thing that happened in the organization that I hear constantly is I'm flexing, I feel myself flexing more, or I'm reflective listening, or people Mm -hmm. stopping one another to say, I don't think you heard me right. Or what I'm hearing you say, and those are those are huge components of listening. And if we can do better internally, then we can obviously do better externally when we're speaking with those we partner with in the community. So what I've seen is, and I'm super excited about Next Level, is taking that time to get the whole organization on track and now saying, where do I? Where do we, as an organization, need to brush up on this as an organization? But personally, um, and I, I have always been excited about. I think how it felt to understand what I was going through. Mm-hmm. I can remember my OCL class where I realized that when I went home at night. I would look at my family and say, enough, I'm exhausted. I make decisions all day. I talk all day. I, I just want to come home and I don't want anything. And that's really effectively shutting down your family. But what was happening was I was flexing so much and it was identifying that this is how it is when I'm working among people who are different than me. So looking at my day differently, not cramming meetings in, not re- and taking times to reflect and allow reflection and not pushing so hard that in this space we're going to decide something today. Rather, in this space, we're going to process and get all of your questions out there and then allow it to happen. For someone who leads the way that I do is in in, in change, that was monumental in, not only what was happening at work, but what was happening at
0: home, at home. yes, and that is definitely a, a an angle that I want to talk about um, as we and we'll come back to it okay because just hearing you mention it it brings to mind every time I talk to somebody about this relation or about this communications course it there's always things that makes an impact outside of the workplace. we often start this communications course thinking about the workplace lens, but it almost always ends up going into our personal lens and exactly what we're doing in our personal life. Well,
1: if we can make our employee a better human, then they're not only better human at work, but they're a better human in the community. And as a community organization, that's, that's what we're after. And so, um, and then if life's good at home, we kind of talked about that earlier, right? Like if, if, if your morning starts out great, then your day is great. So if life is better at home, because you have a, a better understanding of how, folks may or may not react, then it just makes your entire, what, what, when you come to work, it makes it a better experience as well. So for, for having the ability to provide something that allows people to grow is something that was super important to me. And so when folks leave Habitat, I'm only hopeful that they can carry that skill with them. And I don't look at it as a training we provided that is integral to Habitat. It's just to the community in general. Right.
0: To create human connection. Yep. Yep. So you've mentioned this though a few times. Before we get into the personal side any deeper, you have mentioned about Habitat being a community organization. How have you seen this translating to the people of the community, the people that you serve?
1: So I think one of the things that um, personally, internally we saw start there is our ability to understand our homeowner, our home buyer, um, so folks come in, we have language barriers, we have entire, we look different sometimes than our home buyer. We haven't had the experiences. We haven't walked in their shoes. Mm-hmm. So if we can stop for a minute and not translate our thoughts, cannot translate how we feel this should go, but better listen to the need of the home buyer, then we can make that experience less bumpy but we can ha- also make it meet their needs right so the experience should feel like a partnership mm-hmm. we are a charity but we are also trying to to provide a space in in an area that's really touchy and that's equ- equity and housing right so we all know the history of equity and housing so we know that the folks that we serve have already gone through a lot to get where they are today and the ability to be a home buyer is very important. And so if we are mirroring and, and, and using a lens of communication where we're trying to better understand, then all that that can do is build a stronger organization and at the same time can build a better about our community. So what I would love to see now that we've gotten our organization through OCL, and we've had some community partners join us in our last class, I would love to be able to bring some folks in that are habitat homeowners to experience an opportunity to understand better. Because what we try to do as an organization is build capacity around our homeowners. So we have a group of folks who do neighborhood engagement who are out most of the day, talking to homeowners, talking to neighbors, what a great opportunity to give them this this knowledge and this packet of information to just be able to better understand even themselves, and then have a better conversation at home. So for me, it's it goes way beyond just these walls. It really has to be something that we're willing to um, put out in the neighborhood, and I want I want to be that. So I think it, for Habitat, it's just a it.
0: It just makes sense. Right. It sounds like the biggest skill that you guys may practice is listening with empathy. Mm -hmm. Can you touch on that a little bit?
1: When I first came, there was definitely, we felt that we were very empathetic, but we weren't translating that into any conversation or we weren't sharing that in an educational fashion. I guess we knew what we did. We knew what people needed, but we didn't give people the opportunity to have a deeper conversation around us. So when you equip your staff team with the ability to listen, it drives deeper discussion. It changes what we're talking about. So I can be sitting in a meeting, I just was, where we're talking about this would be the easy solve, right? We could build more houses if we did this, uh, but here's who we serve. What is our... what? is our mission and what is the lens and what is our feeling behind that. And for us, it's we want to make sure that they're walking alongside of us, that we're not dragging, dragging folks along. And the only way you can do that is with empathy, listening, and then reacting and, and really being not just reactive, but really saying this is how we're going to solve these issues.
0: Someone once said to me, meet them where they are, take them where you want them to go. Right. So you you can't just meet them take them it's it's you gotta you gotta meet them where they are so you gotta listen right right and
1: and then it's and then the the hardest part is hearing um right. right you know so we can listen but did we hear it that's a good point did we give them an opportunity to reflect on what they said are we reflecting back what we heard because so many times when i talk to folks in the community having conversations all of the time. Housing is not an easy situation. Some folks don't want a habitat home next to them or they're not understanding what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so it's reflective in saying, this is what I just heard you say. And when you're real open and honest, that's when you have the ability to say, "Oh wow, that that's not how that was translated." But right. if I walk away from a conversation just listening and not reflecting back what I heard, because what I'm hearing too is sometimes positioned to what I want to believe. And it's when we, when we stop and we listen to what you believe that helps us walk together.
0: One of my coworkers at the Chapman foundation, Mickey Gibbs mentioned that you, you take to heart the disc assessment here at Habitat for humanity. Talk to me about that.
1: So I think we're very transparent. Um, And so that can be, that can be handled a couple of different ways. So, I know during the training there's a lot of time spent around just know this is behavioral tendencies and this isn't your personality and this doesn't define you and all of those things. But at the end of the day, when you first get that you're sitting there trying to determine, is this really me? And you typically are poking holes in the things that you don't want to be true about you. Right.
0: This can be natural, natural human behavior. I am.
1: I am not like that is where we, where we typically go to. And so I think the beauty of the program is it allows you to keep diving deeper into that. You start having conversations with co-workers family and and they're nodding their head saying well yeah I kind of see that in you what I'm I'm hopeful when we do that and being a D sometimes you know I get ready for that well you're a D in this in the same respect I think that what what we need to do and where we spend time is don't put me in that box because I could be a very high D but when we're in a conversation, and I exclude myself from that conversation because I'm trying to listen and learn, I'm, I'm, I'm taking on a different, a different pose. Right? right. And so I think what we've learned is there was a badge of honor, depending on where you worked in the organization around what you were. So if you were in the social services part of what we do, you felt better being something. If you were in finance, well, of course you're a, and if you were in leadership, it made sense. What was really impactful for me is I came from an organization it was a nonprofit organization and there were only a couple D's out of about 200 people that went through it. Oh, wow. It's not typical for a nonprofit to have really high D's, right? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. When I came here, though, with the mix of employees we have in construction, we have warehouse, with the style we have retail. Right? We have a dip, right. All of a sudden, I was like, I have compadres here that are, (laughs) that are D's. And it was for me, it was helpful in understanding because I didn't sit in this leadership role. And well, that made sense. Um, rather it was, this is just how my mind goes. So when I go to that space, help me get out of it. And so when we share what we are, Mm -hmm. um, and it's not a requirement, but it happens quite frequently. Um, it tends to happen in a space of, Bev, I need you to hear me say I'm this because I I'm not connecting with you today, and I know that you are this. D I S C. That's how we're using the lingo. Um, but more importantly, when you're sitting in the staff meeting and knowing where people are coming from helps you better identify what needs to happen in that meeting today. Right. Sarah made need this. Michelle made need this. Gail made need this before we even begin it helps us position it so that everybody's communicating. So I think that sharing of where you are in the disc is a hugely important component. And like I said earlier, I got in many opportunities I've had what I never had the opportunity to do was learn how to best be in that space and listen. And when is the right time, Right, because I'm the decision maker here ultimately. Mm-hmm. If, if there's a tie to be broken, I'm probably making it. So how how do you best do that? And that is being reflective of those around you.
0: Well, that sounds awesome. And I know the, the couple of staff that I talked to, they they talked about the, the ability to share their profiles and the openness and how that helps them connect with each other. So
1: We thought about, before COVID hit, we thought about putting our – putting like D's and I's and S's and C's and we're like right outside our door. So like, it would be a constant reminder. Um, I think as we come back, one of the opportunities we have now that we've been through this process is now we're beginning to say to um, our friends at, the Chapman Foundation is like, as we move forward, what kind of lunch and learns and different activities can we do? Whereas an organization we're now we're empowered with a lot of information, mm-hmm. but now we need to embed it in our conversation. Um, it's ha- and how we, how we style meetings. So we use a very strong operating system um, for how a staff meeting runs, how we set our goals and how we set our vision mm-hmm. to me that that now there's just a marriage of of the two um, because it's founded on open and honest and when you're talking about communication if you're open and honest then we can
0: hear each other let's talk a little bit about you specifically first through the workplace lens and you've touched on this a few times but is there a particular skill for yourself that comes to mind i've heard you mention listening Mm -hmm. so i'm guessing that is something that jumps out for for your role Is there a particular skill that comes to mind that you identified with and maybe that you use more? I
1: would say the confrontational piece is where I, confrontational skills is where I, where I spend a lot of time. Gotcha. So I know what it can feel like to come into my office. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's a, there's a presence of being in my space, especially when we're going to have a difficult conversation or you've come to me and you have something difficult to bring. So really understanding, um, who's in that space and how they tend to behave or how they tend to take information in, how they process information is important. So for me, that's the lens of knowing, knowing who you are and and how, what your behavioral tendencies are. So I, I go into most conversations knowing what I want the end result to be. It's how you get there that has to be designed for the person Good point. And so, yeah, so it's it's really saying, I know this is going to be a difficult conversation, so preparing ahead of time felt really good to me. Um, it felt really good to say, I'm going to have a conversation with Greg today, and here's what I know goes wrong with Greg and I's conversations normally, and this is going to be a difficult one. So how do I get Greg in here and relax, understanding that this is a conversation today, nothing nothing." and and i think that's the difference in when you're having a confrontation i sometimes attribute it to being a female leader so i was in a situation last night where as a female being the only female in that space mm-hmm. um i just get ready for it i think in a different way and now i i tend to say oh there's confrontation how am i going to respond and it's coming from the space of being intentional to say that message may just have landed differently on me because I'm ready for it. And so I want to be able to have that happen with staff. What what I don't want to have happen is when we're in that space of having a really difficult conversation, I don't want them to shut down. I want them to be heard, um, and I but I want to be prepared for that so that we can have direction to it. And I think when you talk about the, the confrontational skills, it gives you direction so that how are we going to – when this happens, this is the impact that I'm seeing in the organization. So instead of, this just makes me feel bad, really saying this is the impact of what we're seeing today in your actions helps the person not only internalize it to, oh, I'm bad. Rather, it's this is what others are seeing, and is that what I want folks to see? Right,
0: right. Have you... Formally stepped through an, an FBI statement in the last three years. Yes, a feeling behavior impact. Yes,
1: yes, and so I think um, the the. F- when we when we got together as a team and really determined it was the direction to go, I was writing it down all the time. You know, right. like you know, because yeah. it was like, okay, I got I got to go through this. We might show up at meetings with things in our hands, <laughs> um, and I think that that's okay because that shows that we're trying to lean in and listen and learn. But I find it all the time, and remember that I was new to the organization three years ago, so I walked in here being an entirely different style of leadership than 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 who was before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was great for me. I had met the person we'd had conversation. We realized that I realized that. And when I realized for the, was going to be different for the organization. So you have to be able then to say it's, it, it's, I, I see what's happening today. I would hear constantly, aha, now I figured out why you're here. <laughs> um, I don't really know what that means, but what I mean, what that tells me is, okay, now we're communicating.
0: Right, they're connecting with something that you're doing. You know, they're they're picking up on a change. That's what that tells me anyway, is that they're picking up on a change. And the likelihood is, if they're willing to say that out loud to you, it's a good change in my mind. Otherwise, they might not be saying it out loud to you. Right. And I think there's,
1: <laughs> all, yeah, there's all yeah. that opportunity. And I think I'm I'm hopeful that that's happening in all of the little meetings that go on here. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, unfortunately for us, the pandemic hit, right? So it gave us a, a disconnect there for a while. Mm-hmm. But during that disconnect, I think we were much more intentional about what a video conference looked like, what a phone call looked like, because we weren't having any human connection, so there were times where I was having phone calls to have phone calls to talk to people about what was going on and how they were feeling, and without and and once you know your employees, you you know where there's even comfortability in that, right? So right. someone in, walks in your office, you know that they're just ready to go to town. You know somebody who 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 is a D. We don't we all need to. Talk about anything other than what do you want to get done today? But there are folks in the organization who just needed human contact, and yeah. so having that conversation and saying, "What's going on today? Let's let's get away from the work thing. How are you doing?" We wouldn't have been in that space if we hadn't have realized that different folks make up this organization, and not everybody thinks like me.
0: So that that's a really interesting point that you make. Having the majority or a good portion of your staff through this before the pandemic and then being separated out had you not what can you what do you think it could have been like because not realizing that those high eyes need some type of human connection deeper or different than a d i mean it could have been quite different
1: i think we would have been in a space of not um so we we made a determination that we're going to we're going to make it through this right so however however we did it we were going to do it. And so we had a fractured workforce, right? We had some people on site, some people working in retail locations at some point we had nobody working right in the beginning. Yeah. And so you have this, the, the, the initial thing we had was fear, like what's going to happen. And I, I couldn't even answer that. I think the first two to three weeks, everybody was home. I, I didn't know what was happening, but if we hadn't have been in this space of being able to say, particularly Gail, who you talked to today. I know mm-hmm. Gail needs a ton of human connection. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't talked to Gail in a couple of days, there was probably something wrong. And so allowing these, allowing this time to just have conversation got us through a really uneasy time. Yep. I reflect back on COVID and think about just me personally, who I was worried about, not just in my organization, but in my family, mm-hmm. carrying that burden, worrying about my son and my husband who had to continue working, what that meant, what they were bringing home, right? Yep. Um, and so you have all of those dynamics going on. If you can't be just who you are during that time, if your ex- expectation is to be on that computer and get the thing done, then we're not being true to what we as an organization are going to in a, and actually what the whole world went through.
0: So you mentioned it a little bit before, and you just mentioned your son and your husband. I want to talk now about how the skills have made an impact in your personal life, whether that be at home with your son and husband or just friendships, relationships in the community. Um, Talk about that.
1: So I, um, when I, when I first discovered like who I was um, around OCL, it was really interesting. I've to, to, as I said earlier, when I got, when I would get home at the end of the day and be so tired. Right. Um, But I knew there needed to be more to that. Mm -hmm. And so I, like most people would practice my skills on my family because they're, first of all, it's easier. But I would notice things around listening and I would notice things around really tendencies with more with my kids than Mm -hmm. I wasn't hearing them. I was projecting maybe, or I was making assumptions or I was, so it was really my son um, through a career change with me that was the very first time that I heard him. And it, and while, while I, what was I seeing with Ty was he was fearful because all of a sudden mom wasn't working. And what did that mean to him, right? Because that's where we all go is how does this affect me? When I started talking more, it, it that was my initial. It was really more around how are we as a family, how are we going to continue to do the things we were going to do? And then how did he fit in and what, what did this all look like? So for my son, it was me taking the time to make sure that he understood no matter where he was, that he was a better listener and a better communicator. So as he started to go through some relationships, he would always, he would always own that maybe he wasn't the best communicator. And that's okay, but you can't always put yourself at blame, right? right? You you have to have folks that are open to that style of communication too. What we would joke about constantly was, Ty would say, you just OCL'd me. And that would be, we would just have a conversation that felt different than any other conversation. Right. It wasn't, no, you can't do this today. It was more reflective on, on where he is. For me, I have a, a driven daughter who, you know... Uh, When she went to go to college, she had her post-it notes and I knew what I was supposed to do. That's when you still mailed in applications and she, I didn't have to think with Brooke. She just, she just knew what she wanted to do. She also was not much of a communicator. So I never really knew what was going on in Brooke's head, Um, Mm -hmm. but I knew enough to know when and when not to have a conversation, right? Um, Ty was like this kid that, like, just didn't know what he wanted to do. So I started projecting Brooke on him, like, why aren't you, why aren't you, instead of letting Ty be where Ty wanted to be, because Ty's an individual, and Ty's 18, 19, 20, and and he's discovering and just because he doesn't know what he wants to be today doesn't mean he doesn't he'll never he won't ever know. Right. So as you project onto your children, like your thoughts, aren't you not listening and not being reflective? So I spend much more time on reflection with Ty. He's the kid that will say to me, You're asking me all all you do is ask me questions. <laughs> and it's because I like conversation was difficult, so now it's more how do you feel about this versus a yes or no. What has done for Ty and I um, is you have a really deep relationship. So when he's going through the hard things, it just comes out now. Right. It's not a probing question thing. There's a there's a trust built there that's different. Some of it could be maturity, and but some of it is I believe listening. So I think for that's been super helpful. Um we're empty nesters now, so we're stuck together my husband and I, right? It, it wasn't that it it was nothing more than the earlier you talked about your kids, right? Mm-hmm. How much time that takes every day. When you're when you're together the and without the kids, all of a sudden you're rediscovering like what did we used to talk about or what did we share in common outside of kids? And so for us, that's been pretty cool. But if I hadn't, if I had always projected on someone, this is my personal opinion, what I wanted out of that conversation, then they weren't getting what they wanted out of that conversation. So reflective is something I use much more at home. Um, Confrontational skills, I don't but reflective listening is really much more. And then realizing when my family's flexing to meet me too. Just happened the other day in a conversation and I was like, yeah, I probably just kind of bullied my way through that to get what I wanted. Right. Um, and so being, being empathetic to like, wow, you know, maybe I need to just listen more and let's, let's walk this together. So I can't, I just can't imagine anyone going through OCL that doesn't have a total life experience different. In my work relationship, so one of our neighborhood uh, partners went through OCL with us, mm-hmm. and she and I worked together on a committee. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting to watch us go back and forth with who's doing what work. So she called me, left me a message. I was in a meeting, and she realized that we weren't going to have enough partners to have a quorum at the meeting, so should we cancel the meeting and I can listen to those on my, you know, like on my messages, on my emails, and I saw it. And so I just shot her an email and say, yeah, we probably should cancel the meeting. So she's like, great, can you do this, this, and this? And I was like, yep, I'm in a meeting, but I can do that. And then I'm done, right? I've I've canceled the meeting through email, so I'm done. Right? She says, well, so just so you know, I decided to call everybody. Then I called the location where we were supposed to meet to make sure everybody knew. I never would have thought of it. And she finished it up with, well, I'm a, so I would do that. I'm an eye. So I felt like I needed to do that. In that moment, her realization, my realization and her realization was, this is why we work so well together. Like we, we cover the thing. It. it, it she didn't feel like she was doing any great service. It's just how she wanted to make sure she talked to the people. Yep. I'm over here just like, well, the meeting's been canceled. So yeah, no, the meeting's canceled. If you didn't check your email, that's your own, right? Right. But, but she wa- we weren't judging each other on that. Nope. It was that realization of this is, why we, this is why this works. This is why we haven't turned to the folks and say, hey, we're only supposed to do this for a year. and It's been three because it's worked. <laughs> and so I think that's a piece of understanding, too, that it's okay to sometimes just have that behavior as long as we each know why we do what we do. I found it fascinating that she said that, and I, we laughed and talked about it later. Like, this nope. is so cool that we know.
0: And it's great that you guys kind of being able to talk about it, being comfortable talking about it, and then seeing how it balances the organization out. Well, in this case, not an organization, but.
1: A relationship. Yeah,
0: and it balances it out for everyone who's involved, you know, so. Yeah.
1: I think we all spend a lot of time now in this space of saying, I wonder what I wonder what Adam is. I wonder what Carlos is. Um I think we do that a lot. It's fun. I know um you spoke with Gail earlier and I don't know if she shared with her, her team is the spectrum. She's got a DIS and a C sitting there. I think that's the team, like that is the A team, right? <laughs> like if you you know, if you're able to work in that space of understanding each other's needs, what you can accomplish is beyond just beyond what you've even envisioned today. And so I think there's a there's a, a paying attention to, as you're bringing people on your team, how are they going to complement? Yep. Um, but also how are they
0: going to push you is another way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am a high S. Okay. I mean, that's my highest tendency is a high S. Um, but I'm kind of spread across S, I, and C. Okay. Uh, very little D. But I've always found that interesting... Because I can handle decision-making and things, and I've talked to Mickey about that, and she said that's it's not to say that you can't. It's, it's just because your D is low doesn't mean... She's like, plus in certain relationships, you're going to kind of flex, and in certain situations. So yeah, um, I was like, yeah. But I, I know my need is almost always the people first. Like having a podcast... Is, I mean, it's kind of obvious. I like to talk to
1: people. I think that's awesome, right? <laughs> and I do think I think people get caught up in oh, I'm a S, so I you. Everyone in this world makes decisions. It's your comfortability yeah. doing that, right? Yeah. And what you need to make that decision, what you need to feel before you make that decision.
0: Yeah, uh, like at home with decisions, I'm always like telling my wife, "We'll get all the information." That we can possibly, we'll get everything, we'll learn everything we can, and then we can make a decision on where we want to go, what we want to do. Like when it comes to potentially buying a home, building a home, whatever we, whatever it is. Because that's been a big conversation for us. And she, she's good with that. Yeah. She's not a big decision maker herself, but she cares about, you know, making sure it's the right decision. Right. But actually being the one to say yes, no is, is hard for her. That's a hard flex.
1: But for us who sit in that D world, we need you to slow us down. It's (laughs) only when we're open to, to hearing that. And that's the relationship we have to have. So the beauty of having an organization go through this is people already know your tendencies, right? So if they're strong and they can say, here's where you're going. um, Or I don't think that's the conversation today for us as a leadership team. Um, the five folks who are the leaders of the organization, that's the space we're in constantly where we now have a true conversation around something and and making sure that folks have been able to bring forward. Um, and folks have identified too, okay, I'm just nervous about this. Like, right. I, I think I'm just now trying to talk because I'm nervous about it. That is, to me, that you could that could not be more open and honest right i'm not comfortable in this decision and so it's saying okay well that, then i hear that what do you need right we need i, I just need you guys to move ahead I, I, i'm good i'm just nervous about it other folks saying i don't think we have all the, i don't think we have all the information i think we have to stop
0: yeah let's see what have we thought about this angle
1: and when you're when you're a uh, someone who likes change and likes a challenge and likes to keep moving in a direction, those are not the words you want to hear. <laughs> so it takes a strong team to say that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna do today. And and also identifying that for some folks around that table, no no matter how they identify behaviorally, it's a bummer that we're not moving ahead. And so articulating the why, right? Always saying, right. you know, what do you here's where here's. Here's what I think you need to hear. Is that what you heard? Um, we didn't say no. We just said not now. So, I think there's just so many aspects of leadership that, with really good communication, but better listening, you're only going to achieve
0: more. You said something in there that I, I want to quickly reflect on. Is uh, we didn't say no. We just said not now. I feel like that. I say that to my children. <laughs> <laughs> almost daily <laughs> so, for sure right <laughs> just a little funny tidbit there
1: it's <laughs> the truth though i remember my mom saying well maybe and i always knew that was no you know i mean you just you just knew when your mom was really just give you know feet in you right so i want to have that relationship where you understand that i'm i'm serious if if i were going to say no then it's a, you know it's like a hard no right you know right. um but if it's a not now we just got some
0: work to do to get there right Right, and you, and you likely want to mm-hmm. most of the time, mm-hmm. and, but it just isn't in this moment. Yep. So you kind of brought this background work, and that's where I want to wrap up. I want to hear, what are your thoughts? What's the future moving forward? What's the plan continuing to utilize the OCL skills with Kent County Habitat for Humanity?
1: So first of all, I have to say, we love our, we love our OCL team, right? Without, without the, without Dana, Mike and Mickey, like this just wouldn't be a reality. There is a trust there um, with my staff that what goes on in that space is a safe space, a brave space, but also a learning space. So we're now through, we've got the vast majority of our folks through. I'm hopeful that as classes open up across the, uh, across the state more that, We'll always have someone attending OCL. We'll make it, we are making it a requirement of your first 90 days of employment. So we want to get everyone through. So we're Mm -hmm. committed. We're committed to that. Um, We're committed to working with in our own system. And then we're committed to training that middle manager. So some of the folks you talked to today and you will talk to today are our middle managers who, who really need much more time spent on communication and vision setting. Because they just haven't been in that space to be, to communicate down and up. We know that. So, most organizations here, whenever you do an employee engagement survey, communication is the worst. So, we know that. So, we want to do better. So, we're committed to making sure that our staff goes through OCL. We're committed to being a community partner. So, I talked a little bit about the training that we did here we provided the training and invited three other organizations to join us. to Outstanding. get Outstanding. Yeah. So for me, if someone hadn't come to me um, in 2017 and said, I think you need to hear this, I, I, I wouldn't have taken the jump. It's important for me to be able to say to other folks who are in my role, mm-hmm. I think this could change your organization. But what I know is it's going to change your life. So if I have that opportunity in the role that I'm in, that's important to me. Um, And then the next step is really saying, how do we integrate this deeper? Mm -hmm. One of the most important things that we went through was not confrontation skills, but it was when I'm totally stressed out, this is how I respond. Because that's typically what happens in a meeting when I'm not being heard. And your traditional staff meeting just is, that's what happens, right? So I'd love to spend some time there understanding. For example, there's an expectation in most meetings, I'm just going to always be like who they think think I am. But there are times when I can feel threatened. I can feel hurt. And I don't, I, I want the conversation to be around what we're trying to accomplish, not feeling like someone's being attacked or threatened. And so spending time in that space of this, when this hat, when you say this, or when this happens, this is what happens to me. And we all need to be ready for that. That was impactful for my team. Then I think it will be impactful now. So we're 100% committed. I will offer trainings as as much as as they feel they could they could use our space. I just think the opportunity is beyond the normal opportunity folks would get as they're going through uh, educational and you know we can do all the training in the world around how to lift appropriately, how to use a nail gun safely, yeah. uh, but that's not the deeper training of who I am and how I act as a person.
0: Bev, I I typically. Wrap up each conversation, asking our guests to give a key takeaway. What's kind of a key takeaway of our community lessons?
1: I think the, first of all, our current environment of listening and understanding and giving people an opportunity. I think we project a lot of right now it's, I don't, I don't want to listen. I just want to be heard. I think those are two different things. I think saying exactly how I feel sometimes is not, is not the message that someone is able to pick up. I believe as an organizational leader, I have an opportunity here to, to make folks, we, we've said it a couple of times, a better human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's important to me. As a, as a leader in an organization, anytime you can provide an opportunity and, and it falls within your budget or your ability, it's your obligation. And so I want to provide my staff a level playing ground. I don't want it to feel like, well, I do this job. And so I don't have a manager or a director title. And so it, that doesn't mean anything. Because it does. It does mean a lot. And if I'm not hearing you, we're not we're not making a directional shift. If you're not hearing me, we're not making a directional shift or, or moving towards a vision. So firmly communicating where we're headed Mm -hmm. and hearing what that means. We're about to make some big decisions as an organization, and we have to slow down and have conversation so that we know it. And we we can't have that conversation if we're not willing to listen to the response or hear the response or react to the response. That doesn't mean that we won't continue in that direction. It means that we want to slow down. And the only way to do that is to make sure everybody's on a level playing field I can't imagine not having this knowledge base of how to communicate and listen and being able
0: to move. Such a good reminder about uh, knowledge base, giving an organization something that they can build build from. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bev, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. It was an absolute pleasure.
1: This is my pleasure. I I, I love this. I love how it feels, and I I'm, I'm I'm glad that our staff is supporting that. Sometimes when you go into... Into uh, the world of leadership and the providing opportunity, you wanna make sure that it's landing well. And so it sounds like it is.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Thank you.